Hello and welcome to That Film Studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from That Film Studio and this is our year in review, 2019. In this annual special episode, we'll look back at the year that was 2019 in film and TV and let you know what our worst and favourite movies of 2019 were. With the decade coming to an end, 2019 was the year of coming to an end. This was the case for both movies and TV. On TV, we said goodbye to series in their final seasons, such as A Series of Unfortunate Events, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Broad City, Orange is the New Black, Jane the Virgin, Suits and Preacher. The Marvel Netflix shows came to an end with the final seasons of The Punisher and Jessica Jones. On that, the other Marvel TV shows also had their last seasons, Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, Legion and The Gifted. Bruce Wayne became Batman in the final episode of Gotham. Spoilers, sorry. We bid farewell to Leonard, Sheldon, Penny and the gang on the Big Bang Theory. And the world stopped to watch and then complain about the final season of Game of Thrones. The movie saw several franchises have their grand finales. M. Night Shyamalan concluded his Unbreakable trilogy with Glass. DreamWorks capped off its Dragon trilogy with How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Disney Pixar gave us a farewell again to the toys in Toy Story 4 and we got a sequel and finale to The Shining with Doctor Sleep as well as the conclusion to Pennywise's story in It Chapter 2. The X-Men film franchise came to a somewhat fizzling end with its final entry being Dark Phoenix and the Skywalker saga came to an end with Star Wars Episode 9 The Rise of Skywalker but I think we can all agree that the ultimate end was that of the 11-year journey built from the momentum of 21 preceding movies where the culmination of characters and storylines delivered us the peak of the comic book genre in Avengers Endgame. There was plenty of new television to get into. Will any of these new shows be on TV's top list? The Goldbergs got its 1990-something spin-off in Schooled, Assassins went to school in Deadly Class, and adopted siblings superheroes reunited in The Umbrella Academy. DC continued to do its thing with the Titans spin-off Doom Patrol, the short-lived Swamp Thing, the Bruce Wayne Batman prequel Pennyworth, and the new addition to the Arrowverse Batwoman. On streaming, Amazon delivered The Boys, Netflix experimented with The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and then dropped a late edition with The Witcher, and Disney Plus launched with The World According to Jeff Goldblum, and the first live-action Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. Oh, Disney Plus, that was a pretty big thing that happened in 2019. It really was Disney's year, with six, probably soon to be seven, of their movies crossing the billion dollar mark. Bear in mind that only eight 2019 movies have hit a billion dollars as of January 2020. Disney had a ton of movies in 2019. Live action Dumbo, live action Aladdin, live action The Lion King, live action Lady and the Tramp, Another live-action Sleeping Beauty Maleficent movie in Maleficent Mistress of Evil. And of course they had Frozen 2 and we mentioned Toy Story 4 already. We can't forget the Marvel and Star Wars movies when talking Disney. We haven't mentioned Captain Marvel yet. And you know what? I'm just going to throw in Spider-Man Far From Home in there too, even though it's a Sony movie. Sony's highest grossing movie ever. There were other comic book movies besides Disney's and Sony's. We got a new Hellboy. The DC Universe expanded with Shazam. And another non-Disney movie to crack that billion dollar mark, Joker. The psychological thriller that shouldn't have worked, but did. 
Whilst we're talking big, heroic popcorn movies, we got a slew of action flicks from the Fast and the Furious spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw, John Wick Chapter 3, Rambo Last Blood, Shaft, Angel Has Fallen, and a new take on Charlie's Angels. Another huge year for horror films, some unique, some lacklustre, and some very surprising. We were delighted by Jordan Peele's Us, entertained by Happy Death Day to You, and a modern remake of Child's Play, left shocked and confused by Ari Aster's Midsummer, and disappointed by Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, in a remake of Pet Cemetery. The Conjuring universe expanded with two entries, The Curse of the Weeping Woman and Annabelle Comes Home. Alligators attacked in Crawl, and James Gunn gave us Superman Gone Wrong in Brightburn. Oh, lots of spooky stuff. How about the laughs? Our sides were tickled by movies such as Stuba, Good Boys, Zombieland, Double Tap, Booksmart, The Hustle, and Hustlers. We had great fun with Ready or Not, really enjoyed the ride with Knives Out, and awkwardly laughed at the comedic portrayal of Nazis in Jojo Rabbit. A bit of sci-fi is always a good thing. 2019 treated us with movies such as Terminator Dark Fate, Men in Black International, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Gemini Man, Alita Battle Angel and Ad Astra. Were they all treats? Not really, but we still had a good time. <laughs> we did. Um, you know I like me some kids movies. Uh, the ones that aren't Disney movies. The creepy and kooky family when animated in the Adams Family. Dora the Explorer went live action in Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Pokemon came to life in Pokemon Detective Pikachu. And there was a movie about a Yeti. Abominable. We also got a whole bunch of sequels. The Lego Movie 2, the second part. The Angry Birds Movie 2. The Secret Life of Pets 2. And Jumanji, the next level. We're doing it. We're giving Netflix their own category of movies. In 2019, Netflix gave us the Ted Bundy movie, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, Adam Sandler's Murder Mystery, Eddie Murphy's Doll Might Is My Name, a Stephen King adaption in The Tall Grass, the Breaking Bad follow-up El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, a movie about a tall girl, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, and of the same calibre, Michael Bay's Six Underground. Bit of sarcasm there. <laughs> if we're giving Netflix a category, then I'm giving Christmas a category. So new Christmas movies to add to the roster. Uh, Poor Figs Last Christmas, Netflix's Claws, another remake of Black Christmas, and Anna Kendrick in Yogurt Pants, Noel. Will you shut up about the Yogurt <laughs> Pants? <laughs> I'll stick up. Overall, 2019 was a much better year in terms of quality over the previous year. Still a mixed bag, yet we have never had as much variety and so many different avenues of receiving and viewing our movies. Films such as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood received an eight-minute standing ovation. A film like Cats received an eight-minute, well, negative reviews. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you may have ventured out to watch the compelling story of Ford vs. Ferrari, uh, got swept up in the Elton John musical biopic Rocketman, took a chance with something very different in The Lighthouse, or maybe you were just an avid Downton Abbey fan who was happy to continue the journey on the big screen. Whatever you watched and whatever you enjoyed, 2019 was truly a special year. And with $8 billion movies, soon to be nine, it will definitely be a year that will be remembered. As always, we want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to the people who have made this year a success for us this year. We've of course got Rob, your Rewind and Review co-host. Good, good old Rob, yeah. Yes. And the guys that come in and help me with 
sounds like comics. I've got a list of regular guest hosts. Of course, I'm talking about Gareth, Jay, Nathan, and Damien. And yes. of course, we've got to thank our wives. Without their support, we would not be doing this. <laughs> the, well, by support, permission, the, we would not be doing tolerance. this. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. So, um, so more than anything, you know, we appreciate the guys that come in and guest host, but the wives. The wives. Especially the wives. Most of the wives. The wives. Give them money. <laughs> so how about it? Um, I mean, that was a, that was the year. Um, in summary, it took me a long time to write that all out, so I'm glad we got to spit it all out into your ears. And we've said it, bigger year than last. I think Much so. bigger year. Overall, the quality was much better. I was given fives out way earlier than... I don't even think I... Did I give any fives in 2018? Who knows? Can't remember. Too long ago. I mean, if you didn't put me on the spot, I'd probably be able to... <laughs> I mean, you would have done. Must have done. Maybe. I don't know. Who cares? We're here to talk about 2019. Let's start off with TV. So what we do is, you know, like we've got different categories. It's basically like our own little awards show to the things that we love. Bear in mind, we haven't watched everything on TV, nor have we watched every movie. So I guess what we're handing out is not only just what we've seen and exposed ourselves to, but also purely our own opinions. So let's start with TV. And the first category that we have is Best TV 2019, straight into it. So are we going to alternate between each other or are we going to do each? Do well, three, the other person. I think we three. always ask this every time we do this, and I think I either make it up or change it on the spot. So let's let's, let's alternate. Yeah, I was going to say I think previously we have alternated and then stopped whatever. I think we forgot. <laughs> okay, well we okay. I'll, we've got. I'll we've start got, with we've, three, then you do three. Number three. Okay, number. right. Yes, we could have done this off air. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a pre-show, you know, planning meeting, whatever. Well, my number three is Line of Duty. Series 5. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, a fifth season as well. This show is phenomenal. Have you seen the show at all? No. I was kind of hoping you were going to say, oh, I checked it out because I recommended it you on did. the podcast you before. Did. The series follows the actions of Superintendent Ted Hastings, D.I. Kate Fleming and D.S. Steve Arnott as they investigate an organised crime group with links to missing undercover officer D.S. John Corbett. And Corbett is played by Stephen Graham, who is just brilliant. We saw him recently in The Irishman. He is a fantastic actor. And what they do, like you could look at it as stunt casting, but it's more than that. You've got your regular cast in Martin Compton, Vicky McClaw and Adrian Dunbar. But each series, they bring in a big guest star. So you can look at it as stunt casting, but again, <laughs> it's more than that. And either the good guys, bad guys, who knows? But you know me, I love British cop shows. And if you're going to look at top of the top, that's Line of Duty. <laughs> Just thinking, it I was is like, that's, the best. That's probably the reason I haven't checked it out, because not because it's British, but because it's a cop show. I don't but know. This, but this, this is, is brilliant. If you're going to watch one cop show, this would is be this the, the one to watch. The ultimate cop show. So the, the guy one. that put this together, he did... The first four series, and then he went away and made The Bodyguard, which was big for the BBC and even bigger on Netflix worldwide. And then he came back with series five, and I think this year they're putting out series six. It is a fantastic show. Line of Duty, my number three. All right, my number three, I thought I'd throw in a little bit of an odd one here. Um, Living With Myself, the first season, maybe the only, I don't know, we'll see what happens. This is... 
um, a show starring Paul Rudd. It also stars Paul Rudd and Ashling Bay. Um, yeah, so after undergoing a mysterious treatment that promises him the allure of a better life, discovers that he has been replaced by a cloned version of himself. So this is a comedy drama where Paul Rudd plays two versions of himself who attempt to coexist whilst evading their wife, played by Ashling Bay. So it's a it's a short season, you know. The, it's the comedy's quirky. There's enough drama to sort of keep you on your toes. What I like about the show is how it's structured. There's sort of like it kind of like has one timeline, and then it'll sort of backtrack and show you what sort of happened at the same time from the other point of view, and it kind of switches back and forth. I, I thought that dynamic was really creative, something fresh, something new. Yeah, I think you have to probably be a, a bit of a Paul Rudd fan to, you know, go in and enjoy twice as much of him. So this is definitely a Paul Rudd vehicle, but I just really liked the show and it was a nice little surprise, unexpected, didn't know anything about it, watched it. Just, if you can binge it in, you know, over a couple of days, it did its job. It's still on my Netflix list. I've done the <laughs> first episode, really enjoyed it, watching it with the wives, so we've not carried on with it but we will do and my draw for this i mean yeah like most i do like paul rudd a lot he's a very likable guy but ashley b really like her like i've seen her career progress over the last few years irish stand-up comedian worked in tv in the uk and now she's in this big american show yeah she's fantastic in this show but i didn't see too much of it in the first episode, but apparently, I think it's maybe episode three or four, she starts to be more prominent I think in the series. there's an episode where she actually, it's all about her, like she right, gets okay. an episode, which is good. So that's what I'm holding out for. <laughs> I want the Ashley B episode. <laughs> My number two, I've put a DC show in here, and it's one, it's not one of those CW ones. You know that I like oh, them, but I'm not yes. going to sit here and bang on about them for the next hour. <laughs> My number two is Titans season two. This is a season that I absolutely loved. That first season, I thought, was a lot of fun. Season two, next level. We're getting mention of Lex Luthor. We've got Superboy, who is the clone of Superman and Lex Luthor. And we've got all this other stuff going on. It's a darker, grittier take on the DC Universe. And I love it. And they're going all out by the sounds of it. Oh, yeah. All out. And there's just... And the stakes are high. And it, it's just brilliant. We get Aqualad, Wonder Woman, fully in costume this time. Just like the first season, they're continuing with the flashbacks. But it is just... It's just brilliant. And a fantastic Deathstroke. We've seen Deathstroke before. You You've know. seen him quite a lot in things. Yeah, <laughs> he's got an animated series coming out. And he was played by Manu Bennett in Arrow, who did a good job. But this Deathstroke is just a complete badass. Yes, yeah, season two of Titans is just brilliant. I really like that first season. I haven't started that second season. Maybe if I if I had, maybe that would be on my list. As and I well. enjoyed the first season, but this is so much better. This feels more. It like... It sounds like a different show almost. Yeah, like... but this season, it's what I thought Titans was going to be. Like the costumed heroes, just doing costume together deep like, as a team. DC universe, like... and we get the introduction the first time ever in live action of Nightwing. And it is incredible. Exciting times. Seeing Dick Grayson become Nightwing on screen and the suit is just perfect. Ripped from the comics. Love it. Uh, my number two I'm giving to The Morning Show. Um, the first season. This stars 
Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell. Um, it's about Alex Levi, played by Aniston, who is an anchor for The Morning Show, a popular New York news program with excellent viewership ratings after her on-air partner of 15 years, Mitch Kessler, played by Carell, is fired amidst a sexual misconduct scandal. Alex fights to retain her job as top news anchor while sparking a rivalry with Bradley Jackson, played by Witherspoon, a haphazard field reporter whose series of impulsive decisions bring her into a new world of TV journalism so a small part of oh, not a small part a large part of this show at least with its premise is you know it wasn't conceived from this but it's incorporating you know a lot of like the the me too, hashtag me too movement and all that kind of stuff um a big exposure of like the media industry of how you know there have been a lot of sleazebags sort of being exposed and all of that but it moves past that and it is very much a show of these two female anchors going at it and it's fun and it's entertaining the acting is superb the uh, the drama mixed with subtle nuances of comedy is is it's just fluid throughout i was hooked it was it's movie quality it's on what is it apple tv plus apple plus apple plus apple apple tv plus it's confusing because apple have a product apple tv which is a device Apple but TV the streaming Plus service is, is Apple. the program. I mean, I definitely know because that's definitely how I'm watching this show. Yes. Anywho, <laughs> great show. Fantastic. That was weird. Yeah, the <laughs> the show, I've heard nothing but high praise. Like comparisons to, say, the works of Aaron Sorkin, like West Wing and all those shows. I think it's really, and it's an intelligent drama it's smart, something yeah. to say I mean, it's subtle about things that it's talking about it's not on the nose on one hand it, it is kind of heavy handed it's also you know can be a little bit preachy but when it moves past those themes and it gets into just like the grit of the drama that's going on and you can see how you know like a TV production is sort of and when I say that I mean the TV production within this show is put together and that sort of media and the, the PR spins and you know the how you market these individuals, these anchors as essentially products, it's, I don't know, it's, it's it really, I don't know, it gets me all tickly and stuff and I'm just really enjoying it. It is on my list. But I've been watching a different Apple show. <laughs> and at the opening, is it like an Apple original or something like that? Hmm. I think their branding is confusing and normally... Apple are very basic in their branding. Yes. Easy to understand. Go back to the simpler times of fruit and... What? So you're number one? Servant. I did hesitate about putting this on my list because they've only actually released, I think, seven out of the ten episodes. Mm. But I love the show so much. I'll stop you there right now. Like, I'm currently on episode five and... You know, if 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 not for only being on episode five, I probably would put somewhere in here. It's it's pretty good. It's my number one. Like now, just knowing that, just the smallest bit of information that was revealed and M Night Shyamalan attached, I was there. I, I was there for this series. Like I knew already. I saw the teaser, his name, kind of got an idea of what it was going to be. But as you watch the show, as it progresses, it becomes more than what you originally thought. It is. An incredible show. You were saying movie quality for morning... The morning show, that's what it's called. You were saying movie quality for that show, and it's like that with this. It's shot like a movie, 
but each episode goes for 30 minutes and so much happens in those 30 minutes and it's just you find yourself wanting more so what my wife and i are doing is we do two at a time just to, just to save them on. up because yeah. half an hour isn't enough we need an hour <laughs> so we save them up so we're gonna wait until we've got nine and ten and we'll do it oh no we've just we've just burned through five episodes i mean you in, have in two to saving them up but as i say though this was a show that i was waiting for as right. soon as i heard about it i'm like yes that is a show for me and it is just delivered on every level i mean the show is absolutely fantastic the performances and a lot of the cast are english but playing american you've got toby kebble i think we last saw him as dr doom in that fantastic four movie <laughs> well, he was in an episode of black mirror so that, okay he's done that last one well. for me but yes uh, dr doom rupert grint we're doing a an american accent a good and, american accent uh, i'd say he's he's really good in it and like and when he's not eating, he's drinking. That's his character. <laughs> and he does it so well. Like, knowing him from the handful of Potter movies that I've seen. Or not seen. I'm like, yeah, I've seen a handful. But how can I not see Ron Weasley and the first old. episode? And Ron was gone. Because he's I was like just super seeing, old. <laughs> I was just seeing this character, Julian. And just mystery after mystery after mystery. And it's I don't want to say anything that might... Tip my hands is something that you don't know yet. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Oh, for the viewer, the listeners. Yeah, yeah, true. It's Servant. It is fantastic. And it's actually, it feels like everything's very purposeful. Like I'm saying it's a half an hour episode and it feels just right. It leaves me wanting more, but it's like it's a, a film director working in TV and he's nailing it. He's, he's really, he's utilising... The, the the format or the structure of TV, and it is just working. So Servant is my number one, even though again it's not a full season, <laughs> but it's it's enough. Man, I hope those last two episodes really pay off. Otherwise, <laughs> well, we'll just, have to come back and do an edit. <laughs> we'll just, have to edit my top three. The, the the whole show. Um, jumping from Apple, I'm going over the Amazon Prime with my number one, um, The Boys, season one. Um, sounds like comics did an episode. I wasn't on that episode, but it's okay. I didn't get to Me say my piece. But uh, this show, The Seven, they are a group of superpowered heroes owned by Vought International, led by the egotistical and unstable Homelander star. Homelander is such. He's probably the most intricate, interesting character I've seen on TV in a long time. He's he's got a lot going on. Outside of their heroic personas, most are arrogant and corrupt. The boys, led by Billy Butcher, played by Urban, uh, Carl Urban, sorry, are vigilantes looking to keep the corrupted heroes under control. A conflict ensues between the two groups as we are introduced to new members of each team. After his girlfriend is killed in a high-speed collision by a super, Hugh Campbell, played by Jack Quay, joins the vigilantes and Annie January or Starlight, played by... Aaron Moriarty is the Seven's newest recruit. In a in a in a world in a world where we have comic book superhero television shows coming out of our rear ends like No Tomorrow, it this movie this this show which again feels like a movie just arrived and you know I don't know the the source material or anything like that but it just seemed to have so much different going on for it that made it stood out yes there's the violence the gore but there's also the 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 sick humor the the quality of the effects the colorfulness of like 
the the costumes. I love the 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 world that they've set up in this first season. Um, I'm all for it. I know you've checked it out as well. Liked it, didn't love it. Ooh. Thought it was fine. It's, in fact, I still think it's fine. You know, I watched it, and you know, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. It's it's good. I wasn't really into it. Like Gareth and Adam, they did the episode Sounds Like Comics, and they raved about it just like you are now. Like years ago, when the comics first came out, I've read all the comics, I've read the miniseries, and I was really into it then. So maybe it's because I've I've already done it, and it's very familiar. Well, I'm thinking maybe one of the appeals of it was to me because I didn't have that source material backing backing it. It just felt like something brand new. So yeah, every so episode, me, it yeah, was like, I don't know what's happening next. I don't know which character is going to turn or I mean, yeah, there, do there this. There differences. And... You know, they are there. Like in, in the comics, the the, um, the boys take a pill, which enhances their strength, and they've got that going on for them. Huey looks just like Simon Pegg, and that's why the cast team is Huey's dad, yeah. just for that connection. And there's like some gender reversals. The guy playing the leader of the seven, I'm blanking on his Homander. name. Homander. Um, Anthony Starr. He's fantastic. He is great. Probably the highlight of this whole show. There's not one episode I did not struggle with Carl Urban and his <laughs> multiple accents. Like, just pick one. Because <laughs> he was all over the place. And you're that, a big Carl was, Urban fan. That was really. Th- <laughs> I do like Carl Urban, but his accent in this was um, whew, not the best. All right, well, I I really liked it. I mean, number one. Oh, the, the show's like, it's, it's a huge success. And you're right, it's it's another comic book show, but it's different to all the others. Like in the opening, we mentioned the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Like whether it's Netflix, Amazon, they're finding material to adapt that isn't the Superman, same. Batman, yeah. Spider-Man. It's like, hey, look, we've got another X-Men, or it's <laughs> something different. Well, that's that was our... Top TV, was that the name of the category? Let's go with it. Best TV, I think we called it. All good. Let's move on to our most anticipated TV for 2020. So these are shows obviously coming out this year. <laughs> I mentioned before when I said, I said, hey, I'm going to talk about a DC show, but I'm not going to talk about one of those CW shows. <laughs> okay. Because I wanted to do that here. All right, okay. Now, yes, I'm going to name... A CW show is my number two most anticipated. Right. But there's two reasons. Okay. And that show is Arrow, season eight, and those two reasons. One, it is the final season of Arrow. The eight-year journey we've been on will end. But also, it's the second-to-last episode in the crisis on Infinite Earth's five-part Crossover. Right, it's like when it kicks off, that's... So I'm kind of like, yes, tipping my hat to eight years of Arrow. I think Stephen Amell has done a fantastic job. I mean, there was that season, I think it was four, where it was Arrow versus Magic. That's not what you do with that character. But when it's him versus street-level bad guys, it works really well. And yes, my excitement for parts four and five, which technically is Legends of Tomorrow... Has me so excited. It had to be on my list. But I'm not going to say it's number one, but it is number two because I wanted it on my list somewhere. So it's Arrow, but also Crisis on Infinite Earths. And if I remember correctly, last year, 
I think I, I picked an event. <laughs> <laughs> I think you picked. Um, was it? Was it like the crisis? Or maybe. Something so maybe. Crossover? Oh no! Maybe it's the second time I've picked. As you, as you're, I don't know. You're looking forward. But to anyway, it or technically, I'm saying Arrow season. <laughs> oh, hey! It's all about what you're anticipating. The so last couple. Not of necessarily episodes. the best thing on TV, but it's the thing you're most excited for. My number two pick is the haunting of Blind Manor. Mm. Um, yes. How do I describe this? It's the it's the season two of the haunting of series. Well, it's an anthology series, isn't yes, it? Yes, this is the upcoming second season of the anthology supernatural horror drama series, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, created by and directed by Mike Flanagan for Netflix. This season will be loosely based on the nineteen oh sorry the eighteen ninety eight horror novella, The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. Now we've got. Cast members returning from that first season, Victoria Pedretti, um, Henry Thomas, Oliver Jackson-Cohen, and Kate Siegel, and probably more, but they're the only ones I wrote down. They're playing new characters, though. So the the family that we met and loved in that first season, their story's done. Apparently there's no intentions to have any sort of crossover or... Maybe one day down the line. Who knows? But isn't that what they did with American Horror Story, where yeah, it was an anthology yeah, and each series was different, but then they brought a couple of the cast members back, and then they did that sequel to the first season, didn't they, with one of them? Yeah. You yeah. watched them. Yeah, the Apocalypse one, and it was... There you of, go. Oh, they've had some crossovers. So maybe before. that could happen. Just hope. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of American Horror Story, but the quality of that first season... Just trumps all the American horror stories. Oh yeah, so, I mean, you yeah. know what? Yeah, I watched so, one and two. It was like one was like a solid ghost story, haunted house, possession, and then <laughs> the second one, it's like, well, let's do every genre. <laughs> you know, monsters, aliens, all of it. Yeah. That second season was atrocious, and it put me off. Anyway, your pick though, the haunting of Hill House, mm. the follow up to that Blind Manor. Yeah, that first season was incredible. And I was, you know, looking for what's coming out next year. What's coming out next year? And then I came across this one. I was like, how did I forget this? And it's coming soon, isn't it? Like first half sure. of this year, hopefully. Is it really? Because I know they put it out in the Stranger Things slot because they took a season off, didn't they? Ooh. And they put it out at Halloween. I guess it. Yeah, but um, the first season of this was twenty eighteen, so. So Halloween 2018. So yep. hopefully we get it soon. I don't, know, I don't think Stranger Things is taking a break. Whatever. Oh, no, it's not, but it did before. Like last, yeah, when yeah, it took it a break before, that's when they put it out. But yeah, I'm looking forward hopefully to the show soon. too. That's great. My number one, Picard. <laughs> Star Trek Picard. I am so excited for Patrick Stewart to return once again as Jean-Luc Picard. The first time since Star Trek Nemesis. The one where we had a young clone played by Tom Hardy. Isn't that the movie everyone hates? Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not the best. <laughs> not the it is not the best, <laughs> but that was the last time. But he's, he's coming back, but not just Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, Jerry Ryan, Marina Sirtis, Jonathan Frakes. These sound like people from Star Trek. They are people from Star Trek. <laughs> All next gen, apart from Jerry Ryan, who was seven of nine from Voyager. I'm really excited for this. The story follows retired Admiral Jean-Luc, still deeply affected by the loss of Lieutenant Commander Data and the destruction of Romulus. Ah, oh, so exciting. And John Luke Picard looks exactly the same as he did back then. <laughs> I just don't know like, Man, how it all fits together. Like mm. The destruction of Romulus, didn't that happen in the JJ movie? And that created the Kelvin timeline? And when we splintered up into that timeline, 
did that affect the prime timeline or is Picard completely separate to the JJ movies? I just don't know. But it all has me very excited because in the original next-gen continuity series on TV and film, Romulus wasn't destroyed only in the JJ movie. I'm amazed that I followed exactly what you're saying. I don't have an answer for but you. But then again, am I thinking of Vulcan? That might completely be wrong. But either way, I think I might be wrong there. I'll keep it in. But I am Sounded really... good. Just didn't it? You, you say well, it with confidence. It might still be right. I still followed. I felt like <laughs> understood what was going on. But Star Trek Picard. And we are, I think, a week and a half, maybe two weeks away from this dropping on Amazon. Are we that close? Where? It's like 24th of Jan. Dang. Very excited for... Jean-Luc Picard. My problem, though, is both Jean-Luc Picard and Crisis and Infinite Earths drop in January. And that's my most anticipated TV <laughs> for the year. And I'm done. done. <laughs> I'll just be watching Blind Man Are You. <laughs> so what, what's, your other, what's your number one? Um, I figured I'd have to do this. Uh, number one, I'm giving it, to, giving it to a Marvel show. One of the new Marvel shows. I thought about that. It was going to be one of the only Marvel shows, but now there's another one coming. But this one, the first one, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The first season, hopefully, met with more. Um, a miniseries created for Disney+, Plus, the first of many to come, I'm sure. Set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and sharing the continuity with the films of the franchise legitimately this time. Um, Sam... Wilson and Bucky Barnes, we've got Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, of course, deal with the aftermath of Avengers Endgame, in which Wilson was handed the mantle of Captain America, or more so just his shield. We're openly talking about Endgame, right? We, we definitely... Yeah, we got the mantle, but the, the symbolism of the mantle the was symbolism, the symbolism, yes. Yeah, so it all... What so that's him becoming Captain America, I Bucky's mean, in the background giving a little nod. Being, I approve. That happened. I approve. See, I need to know what happens next. You know? Yeah, well, does he really improve? Are they good mates? Is there tension? I just want look. We're getting legitimately. I mean, you could switch this out with any of the other Marvel shows. <laughs> to be honest, it's the fact that we're getting, and especially on the heels of the Mandalorian, Disney Plus original content within the Star Wars universe. This is the first true MCU television show. We're looking at you, Agents of Shield. <laughs> <laughs> that awkward, like weird cousin. And hey, hey, that's it. That's still going. <laughs> Agents of Shield is still going. One season to go, right? Have you seen on Disney Plus? They've only got the first season available. Yeah, madness. I get it. <laughs> so Con- anyway, contracts. Falcon, Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think I need to see something. I'm intrigued. The idea, the concept, what it represents, the symbolism the of... The big screen, not the small screen, continuity. <laughs> yeah. They're bringing the actors back. Baron Zemo wearing the purple sock over his head. I do see I the mean, appeal. That's got to, that's do see got the to appeal. entice and, you. And you referenced WandaVision. Was going to be next year, now this year. I mean, that was close. I was picking. I was going to pick that, but I'm like, eh, one or the other, whatever, whichever one. I think it's more about what it represents. Exactly. You. It's exactly. the MCU on the small screen. And I didn't want to count the What If animated series. Not the same, although, you know, it is... I'm probably, if I'm honest, more looking forward to that over. But again, I need to see footage. Maybe that'll change or my mind. The animation might be horrible. You never know. I've seen some footage. <laughs> okay, so they were... We did yours, didn't we? We yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> we did. They, they were our... our Two picks each for most anticipated television series for 2020. Now, let's take it over to the movie side of things. Still in 2019, as we are reviewing, the best movie poster. You know this is audio, not video. Do you want me to describe the poster? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm gonna. We've I mentioned. mean, like four years later, we're still doing it. We're still doing no it. No one's complained. It's one of my favourites. Mentioned M Night Shyamalan a couple of times already, yeah. and he might come up again. Maybe now. Glass. Oh well, yeah, now he's coming up, and maybe maybe later. The glass poster. Maybe Alex later. Ross. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's a poster. Have you seen it? Like, I can't, I can't. I can't show you. We're sending the image to you mentally right now. The film's illustrated one sheet remains one of the year's best, perfectly capturing the comic book art of Shyamalan's vision. And Alex Ross did original artwork for Unbreakable, and I got it part of a, a like a collector's edition DVD box set. Oh, very cool. And I've always been a big fan of Alex Ross. He's just, he's great. Like, he... <laughs> he's great. But he is, like, what he did then, and he's still doing now, but it meant more to me then, like, you know, years and years ago, around the time of Unbreakable, let's say 2000, we didn't have films like Avengers Endgame, all these MCU movies. We didn't have a DCEU. What we did have was realistic-looking illustrations by Alex Ross that really brought superheroes to life. So I'm so happy... That this year he put a poster together for Glass and it is just perfection. So that's my number one poster I like for it. the year. I'm cheating a little bit with this one because I'm not just picking one poster. Oh, is it allowed? Um, well, let me be the judge. What, what's your pick? Well, I'm going with the posters for Child's Play. I'm going with okay. the Toy Story 4 ripoffs. I'll allow whatever. It. Yeah, so... Several posters alluding to Toy Story 4 were released featuring Chucky brutally killing characters of the animated franchise using the Toy Story 4's teaser posters background. So both films were released on June 21, 2019. And as a bonus, a poster was unveiled on June 24 to coincide with the impending release of Annabelle Comes Home, altering one of the film's posters to imply Chucky's attack on the Annabelle doll. So, I mean... I couldn't not choose this because I was I was sending these posters to people I know, even if they cared or not. I was like, check this out, this is funny, it's cool. There's like, you know, the Toy Story toys being murdered. It's a wonderful piece of marketing. And is if, if anything, if a movie poster is to do anything, it's to market your movie, it's to have a little bit of fun. I liked it. I need to go back over the guidelines of this <laughs> segment. So I've got a picture okay, poster well, and but, you're praising the marketing team. But I, I agree. Which was the worst? There was one that was really... It was like, holy shit. Maybe... Let's go with the one where Rex is like fried and he's just okay. like a skeleton. So when we... I'll, I'll share these posters <laughs> online just so people can actually see them instead of just talking about them. Yeah. And I'll go with the one with Rex. Unless I send you another one later on where I go, no, this is the best one. So at the moment, it's Rex. If it's not the one you guys see, it's another one I picked. But it's one of these. Share them all. Just share them all again. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll share them all. Make a montage. What if you listen to this, Rex is his favourite. Get Alec Ross to redo them all. As one thing. He's busy. He's doing <laughs> He's doing a heap of Spider-Man covers for Marvel, actually. He does that for all a long right, time. I'll allow it. Let's move on to best movie score or theme or music. You can do the soundtrack if you want of a 2019 movie. I'm going to go with a score. Avengers Endgame. Alan Silvestri. I'm going to I'm going to jump in there. Okay. I'm also going with Avengers Endgame. I Alan was Silvestri. Looking at <laughs> so many different scores. I remember when we did our review of Joker. And I was saying that you can't exactly hum it. Like, it's not one of those it's scores good, that stays with you. Score, yeah. And then afterwards, 
I listened to the score on Spotify and it's incredible. Like, Joker has a really good score. I'm still sticking with Avengers Endgame. If you want to go with Joker, that's fun. Like, (laughs) I mean, Hildor, I want to try and pronounce a surname, Hildor Gwantioff. She (laughs) has just won the award for best score at the Golden Globes for Joker. So, a little. So, she's getting praise there. Let's talk about Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri. It's it's all about portals. I I mean I've got to say if you know whether or not we end up talking about Avengers Endgame at the at the top end of this might show, it might it might not. Who knows? But if anything, we need to talk about portals, and this is a way of doing about at that moment in the cinema is incredible. something that it's incredible. You know, as recent as this morning, I sat with two kids down, seven and two. Let's watch portals. And we watched Your it wife is together. right. You, you do have a problem. She was not in the room. <laughs> she was not in the room. But I just shared it. I wanted to watch it. I thought it's safe enough and, you know, a bit grisly for the two-year-old mm. at times. But it is just such a good sequence. And the Portals track is just... It's the highlight. It's perfection. And I've listened to interviews with Silvestri. I've read interviews with him. Just breaking down, like, how we composed it, the thought that went into it, and what... You know, he held back more than he intended just to get the right beats and the character moments. And it is just perfection. And just talking about portals, like not just the music, but the visual, it's everything. Like it's all the good feelings that I've ever got from comic books. That is the portal scene. I mean, we, we, brought to life. we deeply discussed this in our Avengers Endgame review, but... I will never forget that moment sitting there watching Avengers Endgame and just for having, the first time, and, and that, just that having scene, no idea, having no idea what's what what's to come, and it's just, perfection. It's the before. score playing, the the characters coming through, and you know, like Falcon flies through, Spider Man swings all through. All of it, all of my it. My eyes well. Even before portals, before the portals open, <laughs> and you've got Captain America and he's beaten down, like Thanos has chipped away at his shield. And he's getting up that final time. And just the tightness of the leather on the strap when you hear him tighten it one last time. And he stands up. And yes, Portals follows that. But that performance by Evans, the whole thing. So a lot of the visuals are adding to the score, but they go hand in hand. Like, yeah, this... you know, the visual, the, the score, they go together. But each of the tracks, remember years ago, and people used to shit all over the Marvel scores. And we joined in every now and then, saying, oh, they're a bit bland and all those things. Oh, and they then, definitely come and they have a long got, way. Yeah. They have come a long way. But what was Avengers, the fifth MCU movie? That was we've 2012. Always, we've always said Avengers... Always well, it, a great thing. Always in the conversation, Avengers was always the exception. And then later on, you know, on the, on the back end of, of all the movies, it's it's like, they've gotten better. But, you know, Silvestri was there in 2012 doing Avengers. He returned to do Infinity War and Endgame. He did uh, Captain America he, first Avenger. He did Avenger. the first Avenger. In this movie, in this in Endgame score, you know, he samples Ant-Man's theme by Christoph Beck, the Doctor Strange theme by Michael Giacchino, and the Captain Marvel theme by Pinar Toprak. But it's... It's not just I'm taking that and using it and we're going to play it. It's He's incorporating it. He's doing his own thing with it. He's and he's giving things. the character their moments. And that's, that's it. And, that, you know, when you turn the page of a comic, you'll get the panel with your character and there's another character, another character, and everybody gets their moment. And using that signature theme is just genius. I remember in, in 2018, you know, we were just we did this exact thing. We were talking about the best score. And I kind of, for myself, disqualified... Alan Silvestri for his Infinity War score because I was like, a lot of it was just what he had done before, just sort of elevating it, doing a little bit of different stuff with it. Suddenly with this one, it's just on a whole different 
a level. It's incredible. And, yeah, I mean, it always. I kind of. I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to the Portals track. And keep in so. mind, right? This is Alan Silvestri in 1985 gave us Back to the Future. Like this guy has been putting out consistently oh, so, some of my favorite, really scores. good pieces of yeah. music, great scores. And all those years later, like here we are, still doing 35 it. years later. But whether, the whether they're big poppy like Avengers or Back to the Future, you know, there's Forrest Gump, there's other stuff that I'm forgetting, but there's heaps. <laughs> I thought I had more. We've praised him enough. I thought I had more. <laughs> we don't have to go through his whole back catalogue. We we do. But th- this we has do. got to be a career high for him. Like, it's it's incredible. Like, it really is. I did notice at the Golden Globes, no real nod to Endgame at all. From, from what I, I... I've not seen all of it, but... We don't. The Joker is, we don't is in there. We, we, yeah, Golden Globes. Don't Let's hold out for the Academy. Yeah, Let's hold out the, for the Academy. The Oscars. That's okay. We've got two for one there. So we both went Avengers and Yeah, Game. I mean, we could use the, the airtime just keep, keep talking about Portals. Like, oh, my God. Did I mention I cried? Do we, should we talk about I, that? Honestly, like, I, I am looking. So I was just listening to Portals on Spotify, mm. and the track ended... And I've watched Portals on YouTube. <laughs> I had to watch the scene because he's incredible. In in like 20 years, I hope one day someone will care enough to ask me the question, you know, what is what is something you wish you could watch in the cinema for the first time again? And it's that. I'd be like, it I want to experience that moment again. The, the things I felt for that movie, for that scene, for that track, for the characters, for everything. That in Tell that you what, moment, though. Oh, my God. You know how YouTube's got this thing of sort of like using algorithms and predicting what you want to see next? Yeah. So after Portals... Me personally or like people in general? Everybody. Oh, okay, anyway, yeah. after Portals, it showed Batman v Superman, the showdown with Doomsday, where Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman stand together, DC's Holy Trinity for the first time, and it's like, it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> well, though, that Wonder Woman, you know. Oh, it's a pretty good moment, but yeah. <laughs> and then Justice League, where they all just stood on the roof. Anyway... <laughs> But portals, incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, let's let's go a little bit negative now and uh, talk. Well, I guess this is still no, this is a negative one. Most overrated movie, two thousand nineteen. Okay, so I'm gonna go with I think at last count, three time Golden Globe winning, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I'm like wow. Yeah, cool, good pick. <laughs> that's that's my pick. Admittedly, disclaimer here, I do recognise I need to see this movie a second time. I know that for a fact. Okay. Until these wins at the Golden Globes, my wife had been put off. I think now she's back on board. Ordinarily, I would have watched so it that's for a second excuse, time yeah. by now. But just watching this movie, again, just the first viewing, I had no idea what it was going to be. I stayed away from reading anything about it. And it got to like an hour ten into the movie. And I was thinking to myself, I've got no idea what this movie's about. And it's just things happening. But then when all said and done, I guess there is a point because most movies do have a point. But I just found the point. That the point is like a broader. It is. Point but I felt like it, I was just watching things happen. They were. They. I mean, they were incredible scenes, following incredible scenes. Great of things performances, happening. great scenes. Lots but, of you know, foot shots, lots of driving shots. Love this movie. And again, like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm putting it in here. Ordinarily, we don't like to go negative on the podcast. And that's why I'm being... But it's all in good fun. I'm being a bit jokey here because admittedly, like, people love this movie. And it's oh, I mean, a, I a Tarantino say, movie. I really I really enjoyed it. It's not it's not quite Tarantino's best movie, but it's... 
I enjoyed the movie. I'm hesitant to, you know, I'm not running out to watch it again. It is overhyped. It's, and it's not a, yes, as, and, that's and that's the point why of this. It's on my list. And then when it was winning at the Golden Globes, I'm like, well, it should prove my point. To me, <laughs> it's overrated. Like <laughs> because it's a Golden Globe. <laughs> I mean, it's Tarantino's first win at the Golden Globe. He won for best motion picture in a musical or comedy, and I hate that as a category that's a stupid category I hate it music or comedy like just split them give them their own categories but anyway that's why the Golden Globes are dumb we're not here best to screenplay <laughs> sure. best screenplay win and Brad Pitt he won best supporting actor so there you go so at it's last like count, supporting actor he's wins. like one of two of the main I'd, I mean like, I'd say he's a co-lead but okay yeah supporting actor but then are they both supporting? But then it's one of those things where they've got to put actors into a particular box for them to win. Like Joaquin Phoenix yeah. won best if you put Brad Pitt. actor for a drama, yeah. but then you've got Taron Edgerton that won best actor for a musical or comedy for Rocketman. So they get their little subcategories. Yeah, that's why it's stupid. Anyway, anyway, Oscars, holding up the Oscar. Got to say, though, uh, once more time in Hollywood... Like, probably the best last 20 minutes of a movie oh, in a long yes. time. Holy okay. crap. On that, and we don't want to get too much into it if people haven't seen it, but I've, I had a pretty good knowledge of what happened. So I, oh, in terms I, of the real... Yeah, of Sharon Tate. So of as I'm watching it, you, it's kind of like you, you're waiting for something bad to happen, and you know it's going to happen. I need to stop talking because I didn't want to get into spoilers. <laughs> but it is essentially Tarantino rewriting Hollywood history. And I guess when all was said and done, going into it a second time, maybe I would have a different experience. Yeah. Like I said, the, the whole purpose of it, the, the, the idea was, it is, I mean, that's exactly what you just said. Like, it's him rewriting Hollywood or the story of, or something bad that's happened, like a fairy tale. You know, ideally, this is what would have happened. Well, it's like instead, if he you know? got one wish... What would that wish be? And that is a part of history he would rewrite. Okay, that's me. What's your number one? <laughs> My number one is The Lion King. Oh. John Favreau's controversial. <laughs> is it animated? Is it live action? We still don't know. It's got one frame of live action in the whole movie, as disclosed <laughs> by John Favreau himself. That is fact. There is one frame I, of live action. It's like the opening shot, isn't it? Like, it is, it's yeah, like it's in the opening. And you put it in there just for eagle-eyed viewers. I mean, you know this movie, or at least you know the animated one. The plot follows Simba, this time voiced by Donald Glover, a young lion who must embrace his role as the rightful king of his native land following the murder of his father, Mufasa, voiced by James Earl Jones once again at the hands of his uncle, Scar Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, I mean, the, the reviews were... Mix people did love this movie and people also dislike this movie, but it's more so the money that it made, which is making me think it's overrated. It made 1.657 billion dollars at the global box office worldwide. No, I already said global, scratch that worldwide. Anyway, it's one of the highest grossing movies ever. How many times have you watched it? Once, twice at the cinema. And the second time, well, first time was for the podcast. Second time, I took my seven-year-old and she absolutely loved it. But has she seen the original one? Loves that too. She's a massive mm. Lion King fan. She's also a child. I'm talking the original <laughs> Lion King animated trilogy, yeah. the Tron and Pumba TV series, the Lion Guard TV series. She's got everything to do with Lion King. She's a big fan. And this live-action movie, she really enjoyed. What I found as an interesting takeaway is... Even though the scenes are almost shot for shot, because it's live action and she's seven, 
the violence was a lot more real in this live action right, one, yeah, so. even though you saw it in this colourful animation. So that was a takeaway. Oh, it's more violent than the other one. And it's it's like, like, not really. They're doing it the just same looks thing. more intense because it's Cause kind of live action. Quotation. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this but movie it, made so much money. It's it's just not a, like the, the whole thing is what is the point of this movie? And it was to make over a billion dollars. That was the point of the movie. But and also, it did that. Yeah, I know, but there's also an argument that the point of the movie is to find an audience, and it did. But yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. It is an overrated That movie. was a true moment of, of empty airspace. <laughs> Don't edit that out. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh. Okay, so, you know, a bit controversial. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Billion Dollar Lion King. Cool. Damn straight. Overrated. Now let's move on to most underrated movie to ne- 2019. This movie got a shout out in the opening, which I was quite happy about. Stuba. <laughs> Bloody love this film. Oh, I did not like it. Oh man, I had so much. I watched this at the cinema. There was me and a handful of other people. One woman in particular laughed so loud, which did heighten my enjoyment of a movie. Depending on the type of film, that woman could have been annoying. This movie, though, <laughs> just added to the value. I thought this was just hilarious, and I miss this type of movie, this mid-level blockbuster, you know, where it's not a cheap movie, it's not breaking the bank. Yeah, like a but modest, yeah, unmodest yeah, risk. modest, yeah, and it's really good. I had so much fun with uh, Kamal Nanjiani and Dave Bautista. So good, isn't it? Karen Gillan, she opens the movie, always good to see her. <laughs> I realised after watching the new Jumanji movie that she should be in every film. Stuba, check. <laughs> She's in that movie. Even just briefly. I mean, the premise is a guy named Stu is an Uber driver. That's the name of the movie. Stuba. Genius. Grizzled cop. He's had eye surgery. So he needs Stuba or Stu to drive him around. Stu the Uber driver. It's just, it's violent at times. It's big. It's dumb. You know, I I had so much I just wish it fun watching it. Funnier, but you thought it was funny. You I did think it was time. funny. But then I do like both the leads. Yeah, I, I mean, but so me I think too, that I just would didn't think it was that would add to great. it. And this was directed by Michael Douse. He directed the nineteen eighties retro comedy Take Me Home Tonight. You're familiar with uh, that one? Nah, I'm blanking on that one. It's oh, an so. ensemble cast led by Topher Grace and Anna Faris. I think this is potentially his biggest movie, <laughs> but it's a good one. And this was one of those movies that was in an interesting place where it was a Fox movie made by Fox, not released by Fox yeah. until the Disney merger. And oh, then, yeah, I remember. It was one of those so many was that was sort of weird like place. Disney was starting to regret their Fox purchase because all the movies weren't making money. <laughs> But I'm holding out for Stuba on Disney Plus. I really am. But yeah, this movie, like other than yourself, I didn't know you'd actually seen it. To be honest, I had I watched but it. And other a people, little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit disappointed. I haven't seen it. I just thought it was a bit bland. I, I don't I, know. It I really liked it. I think maybe you praised it too much. Maybe, and I'm, I'm doing it now. I'm doing <laughs> yeah. it again. You've ruined time, it for everyone. I just not. It's okay. It's, it's this movie, but it's also what it represents again like this level of buddy cop movie yeah, that we don't really get like rush hour that type of movie it's i mean a, it's obviously a type of movie Stuber from wasn't that all right and uh my number one underrated again i guess i'm kind of basing it on box office again because pretty much no one watched this movie book smart incredible directed by olivia <laughs> it is incredible it really is and so many people should have watched it this almost hit my 
top three. I'm, I'm just going to say now, it's not there. I wouldn't have doubled up because that'd just be stupid. So it I wanted, is. A, it, it's an incredible movie. I wanted to cheat and put it somewhere, so I put it here. It only made twenty four point eight billion million, not billion, holy crap, million that dollars. Have been here. <laughs> at, <laughs> whoa! At the global box office. Two graduating high school girls played by Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deva set out to finally break the rules and party on their last day of classes. Yeah, I love this. You know, it's got like it's got that indie level of, you know, feel to the movie. The quirky comedy. It does have an indie feel, but it has a bit of a polish to it as well. Like it, yeah, it, like it high looks, quality, yeah, which is never does. a bad thing. Just like when American Pie came out, it had an indie feel, but also a polish to it as well. Yeah. And that's what what I got with Booksmart. But you recommended this movie on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, I guess. And then months and months later, I rented it with a wife and both of us just loved this movie. Oh, it was... I mean, I, th- I kind of went in it thinking like, oh, this is going to be pretty good. And by the end of it, it was just like, that was... Really good. What I'd heard about it, it's really good. People aren't watching it. That's what I'd heard. Well, that's it. When people it's were really talking good. about this movie. People didn't watch it. <laughs> so hopefully, if you've not seen Booksmart, go and watch it because it's really good. But it's like, you know, what? what's great about it is that, you know, you've got these two young female leads and it kind of takes on those movies, you know, like Superbad and those sorts of just like antics gone wild kind of movies, but with girls. And I think... There's something about having like females in the roles where they're sort of cutting loose and going but then a bit it's, crazy. Yeah, I, I but it's not about it's not about no, sex. Or that is a good like comparison, that. like saying that it's super bad with girls. But what they've not done is cast women acting like guys. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's I mean, so good. Still... It is it is so good. But I do get that super bad connection. Also, like what the beanie chick is the sister of Jonah Hill. So there's a family what? connection. Yeah, there's a real life sibling connection between them two, the brother and sister. Oh man, did not know that. I like it. Um, all right, so they were our, I guess, our underrated movies. Uh, let's move on to our the best kids or animated or family movies. Basically, the wholesome fun. So I've purely kept it animated. Animated. Okay. Is that what we're doing? Uh, well, I've done my list now, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I'm doing. I half did that. Oh, okay, so I'm <laughs> doing kids animated. Well, my number two is Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Yeah, that's a full title. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> that, that was, was it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, okay. Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. So this was a kind of sequel to Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which was a big theatrical movie. This was a direct to home release, but it's really good and. As a teaser, post credit scene, go to the movies, we did get to see the original Teen Titans from the, I think it was 2004, from that show, Return, which had more of an anime style. But it is very much in the tone of the Teen Titans animated series, and it's a lot of fun. It's directed by Jeff Mendicow. He's a storyboard artist that's worked on Teen Titans Go. He's done The Cleveland Show, Green Arrow Shorts. Uh, he's done some Scooby-Doo. And yeah, this is his latest project. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Will Ayankovic is in this, voicing Darkseid. So that should what? probably tell you a lot. Well, okay. it, is, it is a lot of fun. Oh, it wasn't 2004, it was 2003. The original right, Teen yes, Titans characters. Right. So again, this is a smaller release, direct at home video, but it's... It's a lot of fun, and I'm somebody that hasn't gone back and watched those Teen Titans animated series, but just watching these two movies, it's enough. It's all you need to see. It's a lot of fun. 
Now, off the heels of Teen Titans Go to the Movies, I think both of our, like, the best movie of whatever year it was, 18, possibly. Yeah, I think yeah. it was definitely the number one kids movie. Um, but I haven't checked out this this second one yet. And maybe honestly, it is it is worth watching. It doesn't have all the big movie star cameos that go to the movies house, so it is. But it's got other things scope, going for it. But the matching the animation style from the TV series, oh, which okay. they can do on a, a like a modest budget, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a good movie. Oh, nice one. Uh, my number two movie I'm giving to uh, the guy Richie directed Aladdin. I mean, Gene is a cartoon, I guess. <laughs> it, it didn't have to be animated. It's just kids slash animated slash family movie. It doesn't have to be animated. Anyway, so the plot follows Aladdin, uh, played by Mina Musad, a street urchin as he falls in love with Princess Jasmine, played by Naomi Scott, befriends a wish-granting genie, played by Will Smith, and battles the wicked Jafar, played by Marwan Kenzari. Now, I'm not saying this is one of the best movies of the year, which is silly because we probably should be saying that, but just the experience of watching this and just the fun and enjoyment. I mean, I guess I guess it is. Like, I just had such a good time. And out of all the, you know, animated kids' movies, bar one, um, for the longest time, this is the one I've been holding out to rewatch. Um, I haven't done it yet, but, like, I want to. I, I mean, I bought a pop of... Princess Jasmine from this movie. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I, it was something that I didn't think they would pull off and get right. And I, they, I, I enjoyed it. The biggest challenge was Genie. And I think they did it. They they, they did, did because they got Will Smith to be Will Smith. Yeah. Like, what, but what you didn't want to do is hire someone, do what Robin Williams did. Yeah. Because it, it just, was more... It fall flat. Pull from Genie being a larger-than-life character not and, that, and that's what it means like yeah, Will Smith was able to put he's a larger than life character into it in that it made the character his own yeah. for that particular film of course Genie will always be Robin Williams oh of course but what this movie does differently to The Lion King is that it's something the same but also something very new something different and you can still enjoy both I could watch both back to back and have, have different experiences. Where if I watched the two Lion King movies back to back, I'd be like, "It's the same." It is movie. the same stuff. So, yeah. no. you know, this has recently been added to Disney Plus, so it is available. No, in Australia, it's um, we're still waiting for. No, the, it's out. No, the eighteenth. I've clicked on it. It says, "Oh, there's I, a disclaimer." The, oh, yeah, no. you click on it and it says, "Damn you, to- Disney Plus!" I saw the I icon. You know when you when you're going through these streaming things and you, you're waiting for you're choo- trying to choose something, you spend half an hour doing that, and then you finally pick. And then you click on the title, and then you can't actually watch that thing. I feel as though we've gone from being <laughs> pro-Disney Plus to not pro-Disney Plus rapidly. It's, it's my love of this Aladdin movie that's made me so angry. <laughs> no, but fantastic movie. So as soon as it lands on Disney Plus, I will, I'll be watching it. So on the 18th of January, I think we get Generally disappointed by that. I had no intention of re-watching <laughs> it, but the fact that it looked as though it was there. Mm. Anyway. What a con. Your number one kids movie. I think for the two of us, it's going to be Toy Story 4. Okay, yes, it is. Josh Cooley. He's the director. He is. And, yeah, this is the characters back. And the first time I watched Toy Story 4, my kids had not seen the original Toy Story movies. My seven-year-old was adamant she did not want to watch them. And in between me watching it at the movies and watching Toy Story 4 (laughs) at home... She demolished all of them, including the shorts that they put out. Of course. promotional ties or whatever. She demolished and them. 
Yeah, and she's <laughs> a big Toy Story fan with two-year-old as well. So, like, I found a brand new appreciation for Toy Story 4 upon that second right. viewing. So I did enjoy it. We'll put a review out there, but I enjoyed it so much more watching it with my kids. And it's a really good film, and it does what Pixar does best. This is for you kids, this is for you adults. And it just works on so many different levels. I thought Toy Story 3 was the perfect ending. They come out with 4, but they still find a way to make it work and not feel like they've made it for the sake of making it. It feels like a welcome addition to that original trilogy. Let me tell you about this movie. Sheriff Woody, played by Tom Hanks, Buzz Lightyear, Tim Allen and their other toys have found new appreciation living with Bonnie. They are joined by Forky, played by Tony Hale, a spork that Bonnie had made into a toy and embark on a road trip adventure. Bo Peep, played by Annie Potts, is back and has found an alternative purpose to being a toy. So there is, I mean, there's a new story here for the toy stories. And, I mean, I guess a full disclaimer here with these kids' movies, Toy Story 4, I didn't give... I didn't give full five, uh, five out of five for it. Um, yeah, there were no kids' movies that blew my mind this uh, in in twenty nineteen, but this still was the best of the best. It is a solid, uh, pretty fantastic film in terms of it being a Toy Story movie. Probably you know not the the best way. There were some some issues. You know, Buzz Lightyear, um, yeah, being more a movie about. Woody instead of the rest of them. But, you know, being said, still a great movie. Lots of heart. Fantastic story. Well made. The animation. It's incredible. My mind. The opening of the movie, it's raining. It's like really raining. It's real, man. It's, it's scary how real it looks. And, <laughs> and remember, the reason why they chose to make a movie about toys in the first place back in, what, the early 90s was because it's what they could animate and for it to look good enough to make a movie around. Right, because they didn't need photorealistic looking no so we could just make toys because that's where the animation was at at that time yet fast forward what we're talking 25 years and here we are yeah i think that math is correct yeah 1995 incredible well done no toy story non incredible <laughs> let's move on i to didn't you. even acknowledge it ah fair <laughs> enough worst movie 2019 so we got three picks each yep we like we like this part don't we not really. Yeah. I, I don't like. I don't like the negative. But what I've done this year that I've not done previous years is I've kept a little chart, and I've got in brackets. I've got my score, so it's made it easier to go back and reflect. Right. So I've got a list, and I'm doing it for this year. It's got one. Can I quickly on ask so what? What is? Um, did you give any ones or below? I. Oh, good didn't question. Give any good question. Did I didn't give any point fives, and I don't think I went as low as a one. So it's like a one and one point five or a two. Okay. Mm. My my number three. It, it's on there because I was very disappointed by this movie, Pet Cemetery. Damn it. We had <laughs> It. We were waiting for It Chapter 2. And on TV, we had Castle Rock. Yeah. So we had so much Stephen King. It's like, wow, he's arrived. Like, we have had good Stephen King adaptions before, The Green Mile and various others. But it felt like here we are now and we're getting really good Stephen King adaptions. And based on the trailers... I had a really good feeling about Pet Cemetery, and I was just left very disappointed. This movie was directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Weidmeyer, and it's two guys that have worked together on a number of projects, and unfortunately this movie just didn't work for me. Like they, they hinted at extra things in this movie, like the kids with the masks, 
in the trailers, so I thought, oh, okay, no, maybe on the like, posters and the standees, nothing. Maybe there's more going on here, and they did a thing where instead of it being the young boy, it was the sister, so they changed it up, but it still, it fell in the shadow of the original for me. And I'm all for new interpretations, remakes, reboots, if done correctly. Like, talking about it from the 1990, the miniseries of Tim Curry, really like that, but then years later, we got the Bill Skarsgård Pennywise, which I loved. Okay, good. So if you're going to build on it and give a new fresh take and maybe in some ways do a better version, I'm there. Do you know what I think it is? This movie's not that. It's Jason Clark in a horror movie. Hey, um, <laughs> Winchester, remember that one? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> on one of our bottom lists. Yeah, like, yeah, previous that, that movie didn't do too well. Yeah, yeah, Jason Clark. I mean, what else comes to mind? This is a guy that, you know, would have done good work, but it's hard to get past his role in Terminator, Genesis. Genesis, Genesis, that Genesis. movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Pet Cemetery just it's, again disappointing. Even John Lithgow couldn't save that movie. Like, they were, I don't know. There were just conversations and scenes that just didn't make any sense. I was like, why are you saying, acting, or doing that? Nothing. The bleakest sense. ending. I just, you know, I mean, it's a horror film, so I guess that's kind of okay. I mean, bleak <laughs> endings work. You know, yeah, like, they can do. The yeah. Mist. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> like seriously yeah, but, bang bang, bang. Oh, spoilers but the worst, for a movie that came well, out we didn't do more, but the yeah, worst we'll but also there. like shocking whoa yeah I mean Holy I couldn't crap. believe it whereas I, this movie it's just like ah alright yeah whatever um, and that's why number three is also Pet Cemetery. oh wow okay <laughs> this is going to be uh, a fun list uh, I mean we've done pretty well this episode not to double we up have actually I mean, yeah we have is, this is only our second time on a second yeah Avengers and Pet Cemetery. yeah was there another uh, Toy nah. Story 4 Oh, okay, literally, literally, literally. Yeah, that just happened. Yeah, people listening are like, "Come on, guys! You literally just talked about Toy Story." Well, I don't four. think we've doubled on our number two, so I'll let I you. I don't think we have as well because I don't think Detective Pikachu <laughs> is going to be anywhere on your list. <laughs> I really did not enjoy this movie, and you know, I as I was going to buy the ticket to watch the movie. I was thinking, I, I don't want to watch this, and I know you, it's not the best. <laughs> state to be in like a negative headspace going to watch something but knowing that I've never connected with Pokemon mm. ever but I know you have and we agreed to watch it for this podcast and because we watched it for this podcast you did later agree to watch Hobbs and Shaw which did work out as being a positive outcome for me personally not on my list just want to say that right <laughs> and it's not on my list either so that's going to be the last time I mention it although I did enjoy it but not enough to be on my list but Detective Pikachu like yeah I mean the, the problem, the, like, well, I, I guess a little part of what I was hoping, you know, you being the, the Pokemon virgin, I guess, going into it, is that if it was actually a Pokemon movie, and I mean in the sense of a, it actually incorporated elements of what we know from Pokemon, you know, catching Pokemon and Pokeballs, Pokemon training, but Pokemon I, battle, all of that stuff. I'm less interested but in maybe, all that. But maybe that would have, you would have been able to at least been exposed to like, oh, this is kind of fun and cool, but instead you got a different movie about... A mystery and a picture and a hat that sounds like Ryan Reynolds. And there's a reason for that, that we won't spoil unless you've not seen it, but I think if anyone wants to see that movie, they've seen it by now. Remember earlier in the episode, I was talking about Line of Duty. I love cop shows. Mm. So it was the mystery, the detective element that had me more interested in Detective Pikachu, if I'm being honest. Don't spoil it, don't spoil it. Did I spoil it? Not yet. Moving on. (laughs) But if it had been just throwing balls at each other and monsters popping out every now and then, 
I don't want that movie. No, but I mean, it's still a captivating probably, story. But yeah, I'd, I'd but I would have liked that. Really well, anyway, maybe that would have put it at number one. But for now, <laughs> it's, it's at number two. That is the movie we got. Um, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't love it for those reasons. But no, I still had a. I still had a pretty good time. I might have bought the Blu-ray. Oh, you got it on Blu-ray? <laughs> oh wow! Oh, it was really cheap, which probably isn't <laughs> a good thing because it's a bad movie and they need to shift the Blu-rays. But it was really cheap. How cheap? No, you don't have to say that. Go on, let's, let's move on with the 30% episode. off sale. Maybe a, maybe a two for something sale oh, as well. Yeah. Chuck it all in there. My number two is The Kitchen, directed by Ooh, Andrea Burwell. Yes. Now, this is probably, I guess it's the reverse of Detective Pikachu. This was the movie that you really wanted to watch, and I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. But I watched it. I was intrigued by the DC Vertigo connection. I mean, and when that we was did, the appeal. When we did our review, I made a point of saying that I was the only person in my screening. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, oh, this, this not... movie is not going to do well. But I think you enjoyed it more than me. Well, you really did like I, it. I mean, it's my number I, two. I did. I, there's things I liked about it, but what but are you yeah, going to say? Based on the Vertigo comic uh, miniseries of the same name, the film stars, we've got Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss um, as the wives of Irish mobsters who take over organised crime operations in New York's Hell's Kitchens in the late 1970s after the FBI arrests their husband. The premise is cool. The the actresses appealing. Good, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a good cast. And I've been saying, you know, like, along with, um, you know, what's her name? The other bridesmaid, uh, Kristen Wiig. You know, Melissa McCarthy has a good actress in her. She I've does. seen her do it. And I think she does it here. I think the, we get a good The acting here. actually isn't the problem in this movie. It's it's the convoluted story. It's things that don't make sense. It's characters doing things that... I mean, we did a review, so you know how I feel. But I just want to reiterate all the, the, the hate and dislike and the unenjoyment that I had watching this movie. This was not a pleasant, pleasant uh, journey at all. The Kitchen. Better than Detective Big. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Your number one. <laughs> now, okay. My number one would have been Alita Battle Angel. Would have been. There's a reason why it's not number one. You didn't finish it, did you? Could not finish it. Me neither. I hated it. I was bored. I, I just and you, just didn't enjoy it. I'm all. more of, I guess, the anime fan. So, And I don't know the anime, but I guess the style of design of the I've character. I've heard about this for the longest time. Now, this was a project that was to be directed by James Cameron. Yeah, it ended up just being... He produced, he produced it. it. Robert Rodriguez, he ended up directing the movie. So there's a lot of elements. Um, Christoph Waltz is in here. So that, even though I'm not a big anime guy, by that I mean don't watch it. <laughs> there was enough happening here of that others, piqued you know, my yeah. interest. And I mean, Robot Girl, the sci-fi elements. I invented this movie. I paid to watch it and had to turn it off. I could not continue with it. Good honorary mention, I guess, from both of us. Because I also, I think me and the wife got about half an hour into it. And then, and then Bayo, we were like, oh, it's nope, bad. this isn't working. And So I feel as though I have to disqualify it because that is we correct. need to watch the movie yes. in full. So therefore, I've got wait. I've got a, I've got another one that also disqualifies. The dead don't die unless why? that was your pick. No, why? Because I gave it again about half an hour. <gasps> really? And then we were like ghouls. Yeah, no. Nah, I'm still into it. Wasn't it. even as fun. I've not in watched context. it. Yeah, I've not watched oh, it. Oh yeah, no. It's it's like watching. It was like they were trying to do like a Wes Anderson zombie movie, but 
It, it wasn't working. I kind of get what they were trying to do, but it wasn't working. I'm still waiting. It Is was that just... one? And what's the one with the zombie, with the, the kids and the school teacher or the daycare worker? What's that one called? The zombie one. It's coming out to rent this month. I'm blanking on it. I think it was a Hulu movie in the US. Anyway, there's another zombie movie in it. I'm blanking on the actress. Maybe you can look it up while I... I'm not... I'm not I don't even okay. know. It looked as though you were looking <laughs> something up. Oh, what's it called? Anyway, not important. It's nowhere on my list. You didn't I'm even give me it. any clues to... <laughs> I did. School teacher, kids, zombies. And Josh Gad, he's in it. Josh Gad, I'm on it. Okay, have a look. My number one, directed by Michael Tides, Sextuplets, <laughs> which is a... <laughs> Netflix original film starring Marlon Wayans. Oh. Are you familiar with this? You know, I'm familiar with Netflix I nearly, and Marlon Wayans. What was the one he did before, which was kind of like Groundhog Day, and that's one that I stopped, and it's the only reason why it wasn't on my list last year. This one, Sex Tuplets, if you're unfamiliar, when expecting Father Alan discovers he has five siblings he's never met before, he decides to reconcile and meet his long-lost family, before his baby is born. So what we're getting here is Marlon Wayans playing all of his siblings. And what I will say, just because she can doesn't mean you should. Because if you think back to Eddie Murphy coming to America, you know, Nutty Professor, where he was playing different characters in the same film, Eddie Murphy does it really well. Marlon Wayans not working for me in this movie. He's done it before, and I'm just... Or maybe he hasn't done it before. I'm just thinking he has. But this movie, Sex Tuplets, is bloody terrible. You're probably thinking of, like, White Cheeks or something like that. Okay, That's... where you play... Yeah, yeah, they're still talking about doing a sequel to that. Yeah. A quick sidebar, Little Monsters That's was the name of the zombie movie. Thanks, Jason. No it up. worries. But yeah, Sex Tuplets. <laughs> it's my number one. It's pretty bad. And if I'm honest, I almost tapped out and then thought... But I don't yet have a top three <laughs> worst movies I of the year. I must finish this so movie. So I'm going to hang in. Just it might get better. It'll serve and, a purpose. And it really it really doesn't. It, it just doesn't get better. It's it's a bad movie. Marlon Wayans has put in good performances years ago. And this movie's just not one of those good performances. Oh, fantastic. Um, my number one is a Netflix movie as well. Um, the wife did pick this one, so I'm blame, putting all blame on her. Wow. And at multiple times, we were like, we can bail. We had the discussion. We were like, we can leave. We don't have to... I mean, leave the the, the room that we were in watching it. Or just exit the app. It's just, it's, we can just change Overkill. the channel. Do anything <laughs> yeah, we leave want. Leave the app. <laughs> Unplug everything. Oh, I'm really I'm Turn really the power intrigued. off in the house. Was it... Oh. Okay, go. The movie is called Secret Obsession. Seriously, I thought you were going to say The Irishman. <laughs> like, that would have been so controversial. Whoa. Okay, no, so what is I haven't it? watched The Irishman yet. So I've watched comments. all three hours of it. So what's... In one sitting? No, three. What's this? What's this movie? <laughs> um, directed by Peter Sullivan, whoever the hell that is. This is a psychological thriller. Appearing on Netflix, just out of the blue. Um, a is woman... it a Netflix original film or just something yeah, they show? It's... Yeah, yeah, original film, but it was probably made for some other reason and then right. put on. Anyway, you know how it all works. Well, you don't, but <laughs> a woman played by Brenda Song is struck by a car and wakes up in the hospital with short-term memory loss, recalling nothing about the incident or her life prior. 
A, my, a man by her bedside, played by Mike Vogel, introduces himself as Russell Williams, her husband, and says that her name is Jennifer. Plot twist, he is not her husband. It sounds like that Sandra Bullock rom-com while you were sleeping. The one that down the and I'm sure block. that movie is a masterpiece. Bill Pullman was this. in that? This is, oh, okay. this is just... Like this isn't this is worse than like daytime television movie quality can, can I kind just of say, hallmark movie whatever they call it. This everything is... you just said there, I remember none of it. I mean, granted, I was thinking of while you were sleeping, but what's oh. what's the name of the movie again? Secret. No, I have to check. Secret even, obsession. Even you're looking it up. Secret so, obsession. Oh, woman, memory loss. <laughs> Man says I'm your husband, not her husband. I mean, at least my movie had Marlon Wayans in it. What was the what was the appeal for this movie? Okay, good. Hey, the, the the trailer had him go stabby stabby. I don't know. <laughs> there was a mystery, and there was it wasn't my pick, man. Get off my back. Um, but no, there's only two of us sitting here. My it friend. was like hypnotically bad. Where oh, you like, didn't pick to watch it. No, but of course no, you picked it for the list. Yeah, no, yeah. but when we were watching, it was just it was like yeah, hypnotically bad. We just had to continue because we just needed. You know, is there more to this? Is is this exactly what we think is going to happen? Yes. End of the movie. Okay. I think that's enough negativity. <laughs> I think we can shift gears. Oh, we had a good time. Oh, we had a great yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, have we ever talked about Marlon Wayans on this podcast before? He's come up. Has he? In the I don't news, think so. maybe. Anywho. Right. Anywho. All right. Positivity. The, what, what we've been waiting for. The best movies of 2019. Again, we've got three each. We're not breaking formula here. My number three, Knives Out, directed Ooh. by Ryan Johnson. Ooh. A Ryan Johnson who done it, if you will. I love this film. <laughs> I really, really like this film. We did a full review for the podcast and I gave it five out of five. And it was a very easy five out of five to give because start to finish, I was along for the ride and I loved every minute of it. It's not your traditional whodunit like there's some twists and turns just to modernize it a little bit make it a bit more fresh but that made it a little less predictable in parts but then you've got such a fantastic character played by Daniel Craig as the lead detective you know it's just been announced today that they're actually making a sequel and at one point his character is referred to as KFC or CSI KFC which is just (laughs) hilarious I had so much fun with this movie and I knew it was going to be in my top three. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, I, I rated it highly, not as high as you. But yeah, I had... What a ride. What a fantastic movie. Chris Evans, the that actress who's basically the lead. I'm forgetting her name, but... I mean, she was... Yeah. Martin Ez, was that the character's name? Something and her? something. She was going to be in Endgame. No, she was going. Oh no, no, I'm not talking about her. She was. Um, oh no, no, she was one that's of the. Catherine she was one of the, Yeah, she was. Sorry, she was one of the relatives, right? Yeah, yeah no, the, um, like the the nurse. I'm blanking on her name because I didn't prep the cast mm. when I was going to be talking Your about detective this. Detective blanking on. Okay. Detective Benoit Blanc. <laughs> Benoit Blanc. A name, and I mean, we know that Craig has one more Bond film left. This and is now, a new franchise, man. Yes. Yeah. Give me more Benoit Blanc. He was great in this film, like how he was first introduced, tapping the key on the piano, all of it. Mm. The sweary Chris Evans, and just, it was, it's a fantastic film. I would recommend this film to anyone, but keep in mind, 
you know, once again for the third time, I'm going to reference Line of Duty. I'm a big fan <laughs> of cop shows and detective dramas, thrillers, all of that. I do love the whodunits, man. You and then me. we've got this. Ordinarily, you know, I watch a lot of British detective shows, but this is an American movie and it's incredible. Like, it really, really is. I guess what we're going to get in this sequel, we're going to get the detective back, but it's going to be a whole new cast of characters. I'm all for Hopefully that. with all the turns and twists that you can ask for in the most unpredictable way. I mean, way Johnson about. did write as well as direct, so like, this is his. So I'd imagine what he brought to this first movie he can he's bring do again it again to the second, third, however many well, of these movies he's going to make. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Johnson, the new Agatha Christie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, Knives Out, I mean, what a solid movie. So with, um, with my top three, you know, like... It was it was pretty difficult. I, like I pretty much had a five because I looked at all the movies which I gave five out of fives to, and there was only a handful. There was about five movies I, I gave five out of fives, but I had to narrow it down to my top three. And thank you for <laughs> making that really difficult for me. Yeah, well, you know, we we have always done three. Now you gave a five very early in I the year. I did, and I have mentioned that movie already, but I am very confident that that is not in your top three. It has, it has been moved. I thought it was, and even up until about a week ago, I had, I had a, I had my three, and then I watched another movie, and Booksmart was oh, out. Oh, we've got a recent edition. Booksmart was out. Booksmart was there. And I was talking about Glass though. The you were talking about Glass. Movie. But to be I clear did. to people listening, yes, no. That would have been like my fifth. I think maybe. Glass was like if your we're doing first this, five. Thank you for year. letting my share my, my my top five anyway. So so Glass, then Booksmart. All right, very good. Um, in number three, I'm giving it to Jojo Rabbit, the Taika Waititi movie, all directed, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's about Roman Griffin Davis, who portrays Johans Jojo Beltzer, a Hitler Youth member who finds out his mother, played by Scarlett Johansson, is hiding a Jewish girl, played by Thomason McKenzie, in their attic. He must then question his beliefs while dealing with the intervention of his imaginary friend, a fanciful version of Adolf Hitler, played by Watiti. I've seen the trailers. This movie looks incredible. It is incredible. Now, just purely on the... I mean, the comedy's there. The, I mean, it's it's shot like like a work of art. Every piece of scenery, the set design, costumes, all of that makes it, you know, it makes it what it is. But on the ground of what this movie pulls off and portrays and actually puts on screen, obviously with the subject matter, you're talking about World War II, Hitler, Nazis... Um, Jewish oppression, murder, war, Holocaust, all that kind of stuff, to incorporate humour into it on a level that can be funny and you laugh and you continuously laugh throughout the whole movie, but then when the movie wants to be serious, tense, it's still doing that, but in a way that isn't underhanded by its by its comedy elements. It's what... Taika Waititi is doing with the portrayal of, I guess, the imaginary Hitler. So it's not really Hitler, so, you know, he gets a free pass there. But what he's doing with it is something, I guess, so risky and something that could have very easily not have worked. But it's a joy. Like, it really is. And I guess it's just with all the dark shit in the world, it's good to just have, you know, a light take on something so horrific in history. But it's, it's a wonderful movie. There's so much heart and soul 
Uh, it's a glorious movie. When the movie wants you to feel something, you'll feel it. When it wants you to laugh, you'll laugh. Like it does, you react exactly how the movie wants you to. And for, for a, a movie, a film to have that control over you in what it's showing, yeah, amazing. And you mentioned like the the subject matter is so heavy and confronting, but just watching the trailer, it's hilarious. Like it looks. There's that one line by really that funny. kid that it's like. It's a bad day to be a Nazi. It's like... But it's a fine line, oh, isn't fantastic. it? And Tyke has managed to walk that line and produce a really good film. Like, in lesser hands, this mm. could have been a travesty. I mean, the main... The bulk of the main characters are, you know, Nazi sympathisers. And, you know, the way they portray, I guess, the the fans of Hitler and the Nazis, it's sort of... They do a really clever thing at the beginning of the movie. It's sort of... They play a Beatles song, but like a German version of it. So it's almost like that Beatles mania but for Hitler it's just very clever and things like that that they're doing um you know when they're sort of when the movie's expressing the views of I guess Nazis and stuff like that it's also flipping it on its head and pointing out how stupid that is so it's smart in what it's doing with its characters and what you know there's still obviously a bias of the Nazis are bad and evil but it's not all of them and there's there's a lot there's a lot going on amazing I mean, this is not one that I'll be watching at the cinema, but I will be renting it as soon as it comes out. It looks yeah. really good. Just get onto it straight away. My number two. And I knew my two and one were going to be in there. It just took me a while to work out the order. Number two, Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. This is a film like Knives Out that I've only seen the once. Now, here in Australia, it's out on DVD Blu-ray this week, so mm. I will be getting it and doing a rewatch. But for this recording, I've not yet had a second viewing. But it's a movie that just, like Who's Done It, like Knives Out, it just took hold of me. And I was just captivated by this movie and the performance by Joaquin Phoenix. I mentioned earlier, he's won... Best actor in a drama at the Golden Globes. You know, it has and to rightfully be mentioned. so. Yeah, and just seeing him collecting the award, how he looks on stage collecting that award, that's not Arthur Fleck. <laughs> Joker, like, <laughs> yeah, I he saw that screen. Really, like, wow. really transformed for for this part. And director Todd Phillips, like, he was apparently relentless in his pursuit of Joaquin Phoenix, who tries to stay away from the bigger studio movies, although compared to like say a lot of the MCU movies Joker did have more of a modest budget but still it was a studio picture that ordinarily Joaquin wouldn't necessarily take part in he's done it time to time at Walk yeah. the Line but his performance in this is just is in, it's incredible the portrayal of Gotham I, I just I loved the movie and mentioned Hilda's score earlier as well it's absolutely fantastic and it's a movie that again I cannot believe that it works and works as well as it does. Like it plays like cinema. This isn't one of those Marvel movies that Scorsese yeah, complains right. about. This <laughs> is a film. Like, Even though he had a hand in it, I guess. I mean, he was involved to begin with, but then he moved away. And we get a great performance from Robert De Niro in this. I don't think we're going to be talking about the Irishman. Uh, we get a great performance from De Niro in that also. Is that yeah, beats? Yeah, yeah, yeah Zazie yeah, Beach, she's really good in this. It is a well-acted movie, well put together, and it's it's a great film. I'm really looking forward to watching it a second time. It was close to being my number one. It is a film that I gave five out of five, 
but it is number two. My number two is Us, directed by Jordan Peele. The film follows Adelaide Wilson, played by Lupita Nyong'o, and her family who are attacked by a group of menacing doppelgangers. Also starring Winston Duke, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, Evan Alex, Elizabeth Moss, and Tim Heidecker. Amazing. I mean, following following up on, on Get Out, also Jordan Peele, you know, I mean, if anything, this movie was the discussions that we had about it. You know, like, the, the movie gave us cannon fodder to just talk and discuss and theorize for for weeks we were still coming up with theories for ages me and the wife were going on about it you may you and myself were going on about it i did a second watch enjoyed it just as much as the that's first what i wanted to ask because yeah. i think we both gave it five out of five on the Are you worried if you haven't done a second Weekend. watch? I have not given it a second watch. And I, I thought that I would be because I've said in the podcast many times I am a fan of Jordan Peele, have been since Keegan Peele mm. with Keegan Michael Key. My wife also is a big fan of Keegan Peele. So I just assumed when this comes out to rent, we'll sit down and watch it together. But she doesn't want to see it. I guess maybe the home invasion aspect has put her off. But. Yeah, I guess because she's not had that interest, I've kind of like, oh, okay, and I've just let it go. And I guess we've not doing that second viewing, and it's just like further and further away from my memory. I'm just, I, I don't know, it's I, not on my radar. I anymore. mean, it it was just as good watching it a second time for the performances, the story. I mean, the horror elements, all of that. Maybe I need to do but it. Then, then there's the trying to get one step ahead of like the thematics, the metaphors all the sort of hidden messages and gems and stuff that are throughout, you know, knowing what you know after the first watch, um, the theories that people have come up with, trying to decode all that and be like, oh, is that, could that work? You know what? I'm, yeah, I need to do a second viewing. Fantastic. I mean, the visuals, the costume design, the, the I mean, there's so much. We did our review, you know how we feel, but it, it's maintained it as being up there as, yeah, my number two. For the longest time, it was my number one, but I will get to that shortly. After your number one? <laughs> my number one? Well, this is it, isn't it? This is the big one. Is it us? This. No. Okay. It's, it's, it's not us. It is. It's Avengers Endgame. Oh, you're doing it. I'm doing it. This is my it. number one movie of the year. I don't year. even think you gave it a five. I did. You did? I did. Oh, wow. I did. There's so many plot holes in that movie. Though. I know. <laughs> and when I gave it a five, there was the disclaimer that I know that I'm getting carried away. Yeah. You know, none of us have mentioned yes. Star Wars. That's a fact. Like, Star Wars hey. isn't... Well, oh, hang on. You've not given your number one yet, so maybe I should take that back. <laughs> well, we've not <laughs> talked about The Rise of Skywalker. I was thinking about... We also had our review on The Rise of Skywalker. Do Recently. You think, do you, you know, know, think No, I don't. And that's why I said that we didn't mention it. You know, I was thinking this afternoon that it is mind-blowing that the final chapter in the nine-part Skywalker saga isn't the number one movie of the year. It really should be. <laughs> it's so disappointing. I know it's a lot of pressure for JJ to make like the no, best I mean, movie. It's not your number one, but you had such an enjoyable time with I it. I really Much did. Much like I had such an enjoyable, intense, spiritual, religious time uh, with Avengers Endgame. So, you know, so I've tried to do something <laughs> different, you know, by having Knives Out, Joker and Avengers. Now, admittedly, I've got a DC and Marvel movie as two and one, but Joker isn't your typical comic book movie. So I've tried to do something a little bit different. My, my putting Avengers Endgame at number one 
a lot of I've got so much emotion behind or for this movie that is propelling it to the number one spot. Similar to the emotion that I was having for Rise of Skywalker. So I couldn't put Skywalker in here for similar reasons to Endgame. <laughs> That's my reasoning. That and it also Endgame, wasn't very good. Oh, sorry, what? Endgame <laughs> is is number one. If you're unfamiliar, uh, everybody knows. <laughs> After Thanos, an intergalactic warlord disintegrates half of the universe. The Avengers must reunite and assemble again to reinvigorate their trounced allies and restore balance. That's the movie. It goes for three hours and it is incredible. It's and so now. <laughs> have we talked about portals? It is such I mean, a good unless scene. you want to talk about how I cried again, I yeah, mean, I'm not we ashamed all, of it. We all cried. And all right, two hours 45, picky, all right, but it's almost three hours. <laughs> but Avengers Endgame, like this. Hey, it's no, it's no The Irishman. It's no, that's true. That's true. It's a movie that I've seen this many times now, and there's key scenes that I've seen multiple, but multiple times. Portals, times. Yeah, I mean, portals, portals like twenty scenes times. as well. But oh, well, more probably. Jeez. But it's a movie that has such I such a strong feeling towards, and, and and that's why it's at number one because you know what is cinema? Like, you know what I mean? It's all like it it moves you in a particular way, and this... I mean that's it. And that was a big topic of the year, yeah, which yeah. was you know what is what is cinema? Cinema it transports you to another place. Uh, I'm gonna stop being a dick. But you know what I mean? That's what Avengers did, though. It's sort of like. All those years, well, I'm going to say all those years of reading comics. I still do. Full disclaimer. <laughs> but it's like all those years. And it it feels like this movie, more than any other MCU movie, brought the pages to life. It is, it's incredible. And again, portals. I, I can't say it No, enough. it definitely is, you know, it's, it's a high point for the comic book genre, the movies, Marvel, Disney, all of that, the, the, the stories that we've had there. Do you know cinema in as a whole that moment do you know um, what I do feel though I feel like for me like they're really going to have to pull something impressive out of the bag because to keep I feel this momentum going like they have peaked I mean I don't think the not you talked about you know years from now someone asking you can you like remember a time you know where you were you know when something momentous happened in cinema yeah. it's portals avengers it's watching that i don't think for us they're going to be able to do that again because we've we've experienced that i know they're going to do many many wonderful things years from now but they're going to do somebody else's portals like five years ten yeah. years from now but none of the things i'm looking forward to are marvel I'm going to watch them all. Oh, yeah, of course. But I'm not like... Oh, I'll tell you, the next year, you know... Besides Eternals, Shang-Chi, you know, we're getting another Doctor Strange. Like, they all sound fun, Black and I'll Widow. watch them all. I'm just Black not... Widow first, I'm yeah. not excited. I, I'll watch them, and I'll be there, you know, first... As soon as possible, I, first I, day, I, first I weekend. I as well, but like... But I'm not... I'm not excited for the edge of my seat. But like, leading up to Endgame... That was next level. 2020 will be a palate cleanser <laughs> for, for everything, really. I can't remember the last time I was in such a long line to see a movie, and that was Endgame. And that was what part of the experience. What were you lining up for? The door? To get in, yeah. yeah oh, for the really other screen to clear out and to go in. So the cinema I watched, oh, you risky. don't get allocated seats. <laughs> I ended up getting a good seat. But anyway, but that was all like part of the experience. And the energy, like everybody was there for the same reason, mm. to watch Avengers Endgame. Oh, the people crying. Yeah, it was an emotional oh. shared experience. Especially if you go there to when, like one of the earliest screenings that you can, you know, within the within its run, the people that are the hardcore fans and they're the ones that feel the most. And we were there, man. Oh. So that's it. Uh, Avengers Endgame, number I mean, one. I'm glad 
I chose not to put it in this list because as much as it's one of my favourite movies of the year, of course it is. It's fantastic, but it's it's not in my top films sort of thing. So I went more on the on the critical side of things. Um, but I guess a movie that was so good that I'm putting as number one is one that I guess deserves to be mentioned twice. Joker. Oh, wow. Directed by Todd Phillips. So yeah, when you said it, I was like, just stay quiet. I'm glad that I didn't put it in number one. Yeah, That's worked out well. Been a bit of a fizzle. I mean, what else can I say? You know, like the whole 1981 setting, Joaquin uh, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix's portrayal of Arthur Fleck, the is this a Joker origin story? Is it not? The discussions, you know, set afterwards. What was with the clocks? You know, there's there's so many more things to it. This movie truly was a film. And again, on that whole topic of what is cinema and, and what's just a roller coaster ride like at the movies, you know, what's just a good time and what's actually a film with messages and a purpose and something to actually say. This movie, you know, never mind how you feel about all the other big bombastic movies, this movie did have a purpose, something to say, um, and all the other qualities that do make the traditional sense of cinema. And this movie transcended the comic book genre, if there is one. Um, and for those grounds, you know, like it, it's such an incredible movie. The, 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 the things that it made me feel, the things that it made me think about, the things that it was trying to say, the portrayals, the acting. Yeah, it was just a solid hell of a movie and powerful, strong. Um, one I haven't revisited yet, and I'm, I'm just praying that it still has that same effect second, third, fourth, fifth time I watch it, which I'm sure I will get to so I'll be at seeing some it, point. I'll be seeing it again this week. Like, as you know, I don't pick up as many Blu-rays as I used to, but this is one that I'll definitely be oh, yeah. buying. And, and again, like my, my wife isn't a big viewer of comic book movies and TV, but Joker is one that since she first heard of it, she really wanted to see it. Yeah. And then I mentioned it to it today, that Joker's out, and straight away she's like, why didn't you tell me? Let's I'm go! Like, but I am telling you, wait until when it came out. And it then came out like, today, so I'm okay like, then. I'm going out, but so she's we can't like, watch it. <laughs> really excited for it. Let's get it and watch Let's it. Let's do it. But I mean, you mentioned the the small budget, the much smaller budget than uh, most movies of the same, I guess, the same oh, much smaller, category, yeah. you know, like a comic book character, yada, yada, Warner Brothers, DC, all that. The money that it made. This is in that list of billion dollar movies. This is one that's up there. This is one of the most profitable in terms of percentage, I guess, if you're doing those kind of For maths. Warner Brothers, this movie was more profitable than Justice League. A lot of movies were more profitable than Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> but that should have been there anyway. That should have been, hey. That should have been much bigger. Well, anyway, that's anyway. another another year, another conversation. But Joker, yeah, he's, um, he's brilliant. Like, he really I mean, is. Whew, well, that's, well, that was that. Well, let's, let's leave 2019 behind then, I guess, for now. Um, let's move into our most anticipated movies for 2020. What's on the horizon? Might surprise you. So we're going to list two. <laughs> no Marvel, no DC, anywhere. Sonic the Hedgehog, list. isn't it? Bring number one. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, <laughs> nah, Sonic's not in there. Although, because of Jim Carrey, I'm interested. Hmm. They got a Pikachu sequel coming out. <laughs> no, they don't. No, Do they? They will be. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, just, now, my, my number two is No Time to Die. No. Mentioned Bond already. Number two, is it? Number two. Yeah, coming in number two, yeah. No Time to Die. Really looking forward to this movie. Uh, recruited to rescue a kidnapped scientist, globe-trotting spy James Bond finds himself hot on the trail of a mysterious villain who's armed with a dangerous new technology. 
and bears a resemblance to Freddie Mercury because it's uh, Rami Malek from Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, it does look like Freddie Mercury, I guess. I think he's <laughs> got the villain chops. It looks like he could play it well. And I'm hoping this is going to be a really good Bond movie for Daniel Craig to go out on a high. It's always been that good, bad, good, bad. Movie. It seems to be, to doesn't good. it? It's yeah. a fluctuating thing. But this movie looks fantastic. That's tra- some people the, the trailers look fan- are upset phenomenal. because there's a lady agent who's got the label 007. Oh, but we fancy. know something's going to happen. He'll get it back or whatever. But it looks like if a If the good character movie. retires from that role, of course they're going to reuse the numbers. What are they going to do? Just if she keep... walked in and she said, hey, I'm James Bond now, I'd have been, hang on. I'm not happy about that, but she's not. She's 007. But I know people that are upset about it, but I'm completely fine, and there's probably a point in the story where something will happen. But what we're getting from this James Bond, it's not what we got in the Casino Royale James Bond movie, where it was like more of a gritty, realistic take kind of Bond. Yeah. Now we've got... You know, these in the Aston Martin no, guns a, coming out the headlights. It looks like it's taking classic the, bomb. The best bits of the the, the better movies. Skyfall, that, yeah. What yeah, we got like, from there? Like the the real true character piece of of Skyfall, the espionage stuff of Spectre. The I think there would be still a little bit of grittiness from you know Casino Royale, and then no, it is still there. Because hopefully, they, are, yeah. they didn't take anything from. The other one, Quantum Because <laughs> the other Bond movie, it kind of felt like, you know, you know, Roger Moore return up as Bond, he turned up again. Pierce Brosnan, he turned up again. Whereas your Daniel Craig, this is, it's yeah. a through line. Like this is the first time where story. there's been a continuing character development, actual story arc. Like Quantum, you know, terrible movie. Well, not terrible, but not the best. But It had its moments. It had its it? moments, but, you know, Quantum is still a thing. You've got Blofeld and... Yeah, like I'm really looking forward to this Bond movie. Like in a world where we're getting these epic Mission Impossible movies, where you know Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt is doing something very different with that character than what we get with Bond, but then as soon as you get shown another Bond trailer or movie, like I'm in again. Exactly, like, this is really cool. Yeah. So we've had you know Jason Bourne, Ethan Hunt, but Bond is the original, and I'm really looking forward to seeing. This final Bond performance. Much like much like the Star Wars opening crawl, every time a Bond movie has that cold opening, and then you have the bullet like animation thing, and then the ding 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 ding. Every time I'm there, I am transported to Bond's world, and he can have me. Okay. Have his way with me. <laughs> well, it's what they did with like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, the idea with Indiana Jones is that the start of the movie would be the end of the last movie and then you'd start a new one. And that's what you get with Bond as well, where he's, he's sort of like you're getting a little vignette or you're getting the end of his last adventure. Opening sequence and then the film. It's always yeah. been like a nice little bonus. Oh, a mini man. movie. I love I'm, it. I'm ready for more Bond. <laughs> ready for Bond. Bond all the time. Number two for me is A Quiet Place Part 2. Directed by John Krasinski once again. So the sequel, obviously, to A Quiet Place from 2018. I was going to say 2018. Either way, it's the same year. Uh, written and directed by John Krasinski, starring Emily Blunt, uh, Melissa Simmons, and Noah Jupe, reprising their roles from the first film. So this follows the deadly events um, at home. The Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realise that the creatures they hunt uh, that hunt by sound are not only are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. Whew, 
What a mouthful. That first movie, I'm embarrassed to say, I slept on it. Oh. Did not see it at the cinema. And then when it came out to rent, I thought, you know what? There's not much else to watch. And I'll I'll watch that. Loved it. Yeah. Such a good movie. So good. Yeah. And it's what, you, know, you watch a movie and you think, damn, why am I only just watching this movie? <laughs> I could have enjoyed this three months ago or whatever it was. So yeah, part two. But, I'm, I'm there. Well, I mean, we haven't on air discussed the the new the latest trailer that landed, but holy shit, that is how you do a first trailer. That is that had me hooked. There was, I mean, obviously flashback sort of thing incorporated, but you get to see the chaos that's un- that had unfolded initially. There's that sequence with the bus, and there's a thing on it. Oh my god! My blank expression. I've not watched the trailer. Yet. Oh my bad. That's fine. It's fine. I'll forget. It's a good trailer. <laughs> forget, no, I do want to watch the trailer. Everything. I've just not got around to it. There's a couple of trailers I've got lined up. There's a, what is it? Gretel and Hansel. That one. Yeah. I'll watch the trailer. I'll, I'll watch it. Anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Get off track. A quiet Place, part two. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Okay. Um, I mean, again, loved that first movie away. when I eventually got around to it. My number one. I mean, it has to be no surprise. I have said no DC. No Marvel. At no point did Can I say I guess? no Ghostbusters. Oh. It's Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. was, that's Wait, my number I one. thought you just said, you said no. I was like, no, no at no didn't. point did I say no Ghostbusters. And Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm going to be honest. I watched that trailer. It looked fine. People lost their minds. Got really excited about it. I'm not quite there yet, but Ghostbusters as a franchise, I have been a diehard <laughs> fan since I was a kid. It's one I of those still, things, it's Ghostbusters. I but... keep the flame alive. I buy the <laughs> IDW comic books. I, I just love Ghostbusters. We're getting a continuation of those first two movies. The actors are coming back reprising their roles. This is not anything to do with the Paul Fee Ghostbusters movie. This is the classic original continuity. In that case, I'm in. So I'm, I'm in. I'm really, I'm really excited. Uh, the plot, what we, know, well, we know a little bit about the plot. When a single mother and her two children move to a town, they soon discover that they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters and their grandfather's secret legacy. So they are the grandkids of Egon Spengler. We see that in the trailer. I, yeah, like this is the movie that I'm most curious about. I think as we get closer, and you'll hear it on the podcast, I'm going to lose my mind. But right now. <laughs> I'm modestly looking forward oh, to Ghostbusters. A, a very, a, a very, uh, a very casual, respectable anticipation. <laughs> Honestly, as we get closer, it's probably <laughs> all we're going to be talking about. Okay, um, now to go out with a big bang and say my number one is also well is No Time to Die. So, oh wow, we've discussed it. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, wow. But yeah, Bond man, um, all it looks, it looks great. It looks fantastic. It like, really does, doesn't it? Um, out of all the movies, you know, out of all the, the Marvels, I don't think there's any Star Wars next year, but, you know, no. out of all the Marvels, the DCs, the, even even on top of Ghostbusters, which, you know, of course I'm looking forward to this movie, but yeah. this Bond movie, man, out of I mean, the Bond, most I mean, excited, yeah. I'm excited about this I'll put one. it at number two, it's up there. I think the big challenge Marvel are going to have, and we've both said on here that we're both going to go and pay our money, of watch course. the movies, we're going to do that, and many more people will as well. But I don't think the hype's not there. Yeah. Are we excited? Maybe we will we'll feel that way in April. They're starting a brand new phase, which is pretty much their second. So they've got the Infinity Saga. That's over now. With the captive, we've Far From Home, Spider-Man. Yeah. It's done. So what do you have for us? What is the new Iron Man? Black Widow. It's a prequel. 
it's set between Civil War yeah, and whatever. Stranger Wanted to start. So it's like, right, okay. And as a character, I like, and I, and I think most people have. Unless seen there's Endgame. something more to it. There has to be something more. The supporting cast I'm interested in. Herb's a character. There's only yeah, ever Florence one. Florence Pugh and that um that guy from Stranger Things. Yeah, the sheriff Hellboy, David Harbour. Yeah, very good. Thank God. There's <laughs> only ever been one Black Widow comic I have read, like her solo title, and it's only because of the creative team. Outside of that and her appearance in these MCU movies, I've never been interested in Black Widow. Maybe this movie will change all that. I mean, we we're talking about liking the espionage adventures of James Bond. This could be Marvel's James Bond with Black Widow. Perhaps. I like how you tied it back to James Bond then just so we didn't get too far off track. <laughs> but uh, yes, they were our most anticipated <laughs> movies for 2020. And I guess that's it uh, for our review of 2019. This is a big one. Yeah. Um, I guess... Uh, what, what I, I guess I, we, I didn't really prep... I suppose, in our intro was stuff to do with the news, the big stories that happen. If I was to throw your question, what do you think the biggest news story was of 2019? Do you, can you think of something off the top of your head? What, to like a broad audience as or a, to me? Well, as a, well, either to yourself or as a broad oh, audience. I mean, I'm, I'll try. <laughs> I'm trying I'll to try. remember what happened. Uh, for me personally, the announcement of Brandon Routh returning as Superman in the crisis crossover i mean yeah that was yeah small scale yeah but that's sort of to me though, to personally, you, if we're yeah. looking like a broad thing that happened um i guess the announcement of a new ghostbusters film that was this year that was uh, yeah yeah that, that was, was announced this year wasn't it yeah so that would have been a big thing because remember it got announced and then and then like days like two days later we got a teaser <laughs> on the farm with yeah. the car so that that was a big one that was all happening wasn't it but you really put me on the spot. Have I know, I know. I probably you, should have prepared you. Have you thought of any? But I mean, I just want to point out that the the official acquisition and and uh, of 20th Century Fox for right. Disney That's happened big. this year. You know, on top the launch of Disney Plus, Disney Plus, and all that. the conversation about Spider Man. Remember that crisis? Right. It was like about a. It See, was about, you're better at this. Than it was I about. Am. Uh, I thought about it every month. But remember that crossover on the CW. <laughs> remember that two or three weeks where like. You know, yeah. we lost Spider-Man. We did. And everyone was losing their shit. And I said to everyone, I said, guys, let's just wait this out. And what happened? I mean, I, th- I thought it was over. He's I was with them. I was with the mob. <laughs> <laughs> just, we're just going to chill and not lose our shits until, until it's, you know, it's official. It's unprecedented territory, though. When I know, it's scary. When it's... Sony first allowed Marvel to use Spider-Man in the first place, that had not been done before. So when that came to an end, it's mm. kind of like, well, okay, maybe that's it. But he's back, baby. He's back. back. And who knows what their deal is now? It's all up in the air. But that was a that was a crazy couple of weeks. Everyone was talking about it. No one would shut up about it. That's a good call. Yeah. I didn't remember anything about that. Um, and that, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay, that's, that's a good one. That is yeah, a good one. Remember that happened in 2019. All right, guys, please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, and please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Studio Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes, including all the ones from 2019, of course, can be found on our website, thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. Um, let's just take a moment to thank everyone for, for listening to not only this huge episode, but to... Uh, 
for the what? How long has it been? Four, almost five years. I think maybe four years. I'd have to go back and check, but it's been a while. Yeah, but thanks for for listening. You know, it's it's a it's a modest show. It's uh, it's, it's our little thing. I mean, it's something that obviously we clearly both enjoy doing, and that's why we come back each year. I mean, this is actually episode two hundred and fourteen. Of that film, Stu, and that's not counting episodes of Sounds Like Comics and mm. Rewind and Review. I really hate the fact that we've landed on 214 for this episode, but it's okay. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Move on from it. But yeah, just, again, a genuine thanks to everyone, of course. Um, and you've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon.